Lord Jesus, today we thank you that because of what you've done for us, we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you. You are our Father in heaven. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Holy is your name. Lord, our names are not holy, but your name is holy. Perfect in all of your ways. And Lord, we just want to thank you today as your people for your love to us, your care for us. Lord, we thank you that when we hit rock bottom, when we get beat up by life, Father, you are first on the scene. Father, you are the one that dives into the pit, dives into the darkness, dives into the loneliness, the emptiness, and you are there, not with a scowl on your face or anger in your heart. Your heart breaks and is full of love and restores us. You are, you are that Father that comes running to us as we return home. Lord, as we return home to your house, you are that Father that comes running, covers our nakedness with a robe, puts shoes on our feet, puts a ring on our finger, and then has a huge party to celebrate our arrival. You don't even bring up the past. You don't even bring up where we've been. You don't even bring up any sin, Lord. In your presence, there's grace and forgiveness and love and care. And Lord, in <laughs> we thank you, Jesus, for your love, Lord. For your love, we thank you so much. We are amazed by it. We are overwhelmed by it. Because Lord, unlike us, you do not keep a record of wrongs. Unlike us, you cancel every sin. Unlike us, Lord, you're so happy to see us in your presence. God, with David we say, Lord, if you marked my transgressions, I'd never be able to stand before you. But there is forgiveness with you. This is the type of father you are. And we just want to say thank you. We just want to appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him a massive shout in this place. He is absolutely wonderful. Come on, we can do better than that. He's a wonderful father. In all of his ways, he's perfect. Wonderful. You may be seated. Isn't it fantastic to have Pastor Ray with us here this morning? Oh, I'm losing my voice a bit. Absolutely wonderful. Pastor Ray has uh, recently just arrived home from America, has been ministering out in America, and it's been absolutely incredible. Thousands of people, thousands of people touched by the gospel of grace. But you know what Pastor Ray said this morning? Dave, there's no place like home. And this is his home. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to have a father? in this place. 
a man that has gone through the ups and the downs, in season, out, out of season, and remained faithful to building the church that Jesus died to give us. So I think we should welcome Pastor Ray this morning. Absolutely wonderful. This is his home. This is his home. Well, last week, I told you a little story about when I bought a flat pack wardrobe from Ikea. And um, the mission was to build the wardrobe. You know, I got it all out, laid it out on the floor, and Faye handed me the instructions. I grabbed them and replied, I won't be needing them, darling. I'm a welder fabricator. I can do this. I don't need no instructions. I can build that thing from my intelligence. And I told you about, you know, the many hours of labor it took me to make a mess. And it was a complete mess because I discarded the instructions. I needed instructions. I was on the phone to the management in Ikea telling them that there was one wrong amidst the, the, the thousands that they had made that had, that had been successful. There was one wrong and it was the one that I had. It was wrong. And then suddenly I read the instructions and realized the design wasn't wrong. The workman was. The workman was because he didn't follow the instructions. Do you know, simple illustration, an incident in my life, and I'm sure you've had incidents in your life as well, where you need the instructions. And if we're going to build life, if we're going to build our lives, there is a set of instructions that we can take. There is a set of instructions that we can apply to our lives every day that's going to help us to be successful. God wants us to be successful, and we can define success in many different ways. You know, the world has an idea of success. It's very different very often to God's idea of success. And God hands us a set of instructions in His Word, and He says, listen, if you build according to my word, if you build according to the pattern that I've laid down, it's going to go well with you. Do you know, it's Father's Day. And as a father, God wants us as his children to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to have a, a good life. He wants us to be at peace in our hearts. He wants us to have a sound mind. All of these things that the Bible talks about, God really, really, really does want us to have because he loves us. You know, he doesn't want to set us up to fail. He doesn't want to set us up to, you know, to, to land in a, in a ditch somewhere. He really does want to set us up to win. What I've found is when I've, when I've got things wrong in my life, it's usually because I haven't listened to the instructions. You know, my mum's here this morning, and um, I remember growing up as a kid and really challenging the direction of my mum and dad, challenging their direction, challenging their instructions, thinking that what they were saying was, you know, just, they just wanted to straitjacket my freedom. They just wanted to put me in a box, and I can remember challenging them. And my mum would say to me, you know, with tears in her eyes, David, you're such a disobedient boy. 
And it was the truth. I couldn't deny it. I was disobedient, stubborn, arrogant, and all of the stuff. You know, the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And it was true in my case, I can tell you. And my life went on a course where I just ripped through every type of fence, you know, bulldozed through every type of instruction. And then I realized as a result of making choices that I would face consequences that were attached to those choices that I couldn't separate myself from. Lots of times it's easy to make a choice, isn't it? In the heat of a moment, it's easy to make a choice, but you don't realize that maybe a year or two years as a result of that choice, you're going to be unraveling consequence after consequence that's attached directly to that choice. We have to be careful and we have to be mindful of the instructions that God has laid down in His Word in order so, so that we might be successful, in order that we might thrive. mentioned last week that if you're going to build a building, you need an architect, a designer, to produce a, a blueprint for that building. In order for it to be handed to the builder, the builder can take it, and then he can receive instruction and understanding in how to erect that building. On that blueprint, there's every detail. On that blueprint, there's the materials that are required to build the building. On that building, there's details about the foundation. All of the necessary materials are listed on that blueprint. Why? Because the architect, through their expertise, have understood the forces and the the. Uh, the strains and the stresses that are going to be exerted on that structure over time. So the architect, through their skill, through their expertise, have been very selective about the materials that's required, very selective about how deep the foundation needs to be. And as the, blu as, as the blueprint is handed to the builder, and as the builder takes hold of those instructions and erects the building accordingly so that structure will remain in the future. What if the builder turned up in, on site and said, oh, do you know what? These, these drawings, man, they're too restrictive. I need a bit of artistic license. I want to use the wood that I want to use. I want to use just any old bricks. I want to do it my way. It's a DIY project. I want to move outside of the perimeters of what the architect has specified, and I just want to do it myself. Well, do you know what? Before long, inspection after inspection, it would fail. And the structure and the future of that building, whether it be small or large, would, would, would be threatened. Now, it's like that with our lives. We see this around us all day long. Instructions are necessary. Plans are set in order for people to, to follow and to give guidance to. If there's a plan for our life, what would it be? Well, it would have to be God's Word. It would have to be the Bible. It would have to be what He has set out for the design of our life. And if we will just take hold of that and, and ask Him to help us apply it, when, when we need to apply it, our lives are going 
to be blessed. I want to pick up this morning just on one little verse that David said to God one day as he was having a conversation with him. It was a cry of his heart, a desire of his life. Psalm 86 verse 11, we're hearing David bear his heart before God. He's asking for instruction, and not any old instruction from any old person. He's asking for instruction from the Lord. He's asking for a blueprint for life, for living. He realizes that he can't just work out life on his own. He realizes it's a precious gift. Oh, what a precious gift life is. And he realizes that if he's going to go forward, if he's going to negotiate all of the things that are going to obstruct him in his way, in his future, he realizes that the Lord has to be involved. He can't just work this thing out called life on his own. He says, Psalm 86 verse 11, teach me your ways. A proud person will never do that. A proud person listens to the voice of self. A proud person doesn't look outside of themselves to receive any kind of instruction. The, Bi the Bible in Proverbs talks about such a person and says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to destruction. That type of person doesn't look beyond themselves. They continually go with what seems right. David says, what seems right is not good enough. What seems right to me, this inner compass is going to lead me down a dead end. I need advice and wisdom, instruction. I need a blueprint beyond myself. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your ways. I need impartation from you. I need guidance. On another occasion, talking about this wonderful walk that he had with the Lord, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's a man that's been taught. That's a man that's received instruction. That's a man that's had time with the Lord. That's a man that has just set himself with a goal, with an aspiration, with a desire that says, oh, teach me. Teach me. You see, God doesn't want us to become theologians. God doesn't want us to, to you know, enlist in some big, huge Bible course and get a head full of knowledge. Nothing wrong with those things. God just wants a heart that's burning, that's come to the end of itself and said, I can't go on unless you teach me. I can't go forward unless you're involved in every step. I'm desperate for you. I need you. Please help me today. That's humility. That's desperation. That's, oh God, without you, I know I'm going to fail because all I've got to do is look back and see some of the decisions that I've made and all of the consequences that I've faced. I don't want to do that anymore. It's, it's the place of, of just desperation. David said, didn't he? We said it a few weeks ago. My soul follows hard after you. 
my soul follows hard after you. I tell you, the Psalms, you read the Psalms, you see a man that's so desperate. Beautiful Psalms. A man that fails. A man that, that, that is crushed. A man that's betrayed. A man that's, that's set up by people. But, but his, his heart and his loyalty to God remains strong. A man that realizes that, that his experience of life is checkered. That it's, it's white and black at many, at many points. But a man that craves God and says, Oh God, if you can come into the mix and into the mess of my life, I will get through. And you know, at the end of it all, God said, there's a man after my own heart. There's a man after my own heart. A man, a woman after God's own heart has a heart that says, teach me. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Do you know, I've discovered, probably like you have, that my walk is very unbalanced. My physical walk is, is an unbalanced walk. I distribute my weight unevenly. And I realized this one day when I was looking at the bottom of my shoe. You look at the bottom of your shoe. It doesn't wear evenly. There's a bias in my walk like there's a bias in your walk. Do you know what? Not only is there a bias in our, our physical walk, there's a bias in our nature. A tendency to go another way. God's Word tells us this. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us. Nobody can stand up here and say, do you know what? I'm the model of perfection. If you want to look at, at, at how to live life, look at me. No, none of us can say, all of us have gone, ast gone astray. Like sheep. Nobody can be religious. Nobody can, can stand up and say, listen, I've got the model life. No, do you know what? We're all desperately dependent on God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's care, God's love. Every day. All of us have gone astray. It's saying, all of us have gone astray, each to his own wicked way. There's a bias within us. There's a tendency to, 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 to err to the left, to the right, just to get through. David says, I recognize that bias. I recognize that imbalance. I recognize my tendency to be drawn to sin, to, to be drawn into things that are going to destroy my life, that I find pleasurable, that I want, that I gravitate towards. Please teach me. Please teach me your ways. On one occasion, God said to Moses, my ways are not your ways. He wasn't, do you know what I love about God? He wasn't, because you can say that in so many different ways, can't you? My ways are not your ways. Angrily and condescendingly. No, God just gently defines exactly who he is. And says, listen, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are so much higher. My thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. As far as the heavens is from the earth are my thoughts, are my ways than yours. But he doesn't say that to separate himself from us. He just says that to define himself and says, listen, my thoughts can be your thoughts. You can have the mind of Christ. Your mind can be renewed. You can receive direction. You can receive input from me. David says, teach me. 
teach me your ways, O Lord. And then, with this resolve, he says, I will walk in your truth. James says, let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's depend on the Holy Spirit's power to enable us to be doers of that word. To actually let it filter through. To actually let it become our daily living, our source of experience. So that people see God in you, in I. Give me, he says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. That's a man that's determined. That's a man that values instruction. That's a man that's waiting to be taught, open and ready for input, open for a new blueprint that doesn't resemble maybe the one that he's holding in his hand. He's ready to have revelation given to him about life from God, the way that God would do it. And he says, I will walk in it. I will walk in it. Teach me. Let's have that resolve as, as God's people. Let's have that resolve. Lord, I want you to teach me. You see, when God teaches you, what, 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 what happens? Sometimes he depl- he, he, he's displacing wrong attitude. He's displacing. You don't need a wrong attitude. My God, when I've had a, a bad attitude, and I've, I've, I've had loads of them. I have. I've had loads of them, Pastor Ray, seen them all. And had to help me, help me, help me, help me so many times. But isn't it great to have people that can come alongside you? You're not in it on your own. You've got people to help you. Dave, you need to adjust here, mate. I don't want to adjust. I don't want to change. And stand up in his face. And tell him. And he'd just graciously look at me and wisely wait. And then I'd come back maybe a couple of hours later, a couple of days later. <laughs> head down. Sorry, Ray. That's all right, Dave. That's all right, boy. You see, it's great to have friendships and relationships that are not just solely dependent on good times solely dependent on the sunshine mountain peaks of life but are there in the valley there to bring instruction and help when you're really in a corner and all of this stuff is coming out of you and are willing to hang on in there with you i've had i've had bad attitudes i've had a lot of stuff like you but you know what when you, when you taught the ways of the Lord. And it's not, it doesn't all happen in just one big download. Wouldn't it be great? Bam! It's all done. I'm perfect. No, this, is, this happens moment by moment by moment. Day by day by day. It's going to take a lifetime. And then, and then it won't be complete. But I've been taught by the Lord through circumstance that I thought, I did, well, I certainly didn't want to go through, but that I created. I've been taught by the Lord by choices that, that I have made, and they've been wrong. I've been taught by the Lord as a result of things that I've spoken that I shouldn't have spoken. 
That's not all bad. I've done some good things. But I want to show you and help you and tell you about some of the wrong things I've done in order for you to be encouraged. Because you may have had a tough week. But sometimes this teaching comes through life. It comes through another person. It comes directly from God. It comes through circumstance. And it's all there as a corrector to get you back on track. Teach me your ways, O Lord. When, when, when the Lord taught David, it wasn't a matter of meeting him in a lecture hall or meeting him, you know, sitting behind a desk. David was going to be taught the ways of the Lord out there in life where it mattered. In the, in the situations that were facing him day by day. Life would become the classroom. People would be in the class. Circumstance would be the teacher. And the Lord in his sovereignty would be orchestrating it all. And David would come out at the end of it a man after God's own heart. Teaching. Teaching him. And that's how it happens for us. Today you may wonder why you're going through such a hard, hard time. And, and listen, I'm not saying it's God. It may not be God. But sometimes the, even God uses the enemy as a pawn on his board. But he will win in the end. Amen. I will walk in your truth, he, he resolves. And then he says this, give me an undivided heart. That I may fear your name. An undivided heart. I don't want my heart to be divided. Have you ever felt the divisions in your life? One minute you're running for God. One minute you feel as if everything's brilliant with your relationship with Jesus. With people. With the church. Everything's thriving. There's no division. And then suddenly... You're divided in your loyalty with people, divided in your loyalty to God, divided in heart. David knew this tension in his life. David knew this imbalance. David knew that his loyalty could be here one moment and his loyalty could be there another moment. One minute he could be following God, the next minute... He could be running away from God, trying to hide, saying, Oh God, don't even look at me. Please don't look at me in this state. As he did. Divided. We can be divided. But in the midst of that, isn't it great that we can come to him as father? I've been divided many times. But it's wonderful. Come into his presence and find He's not divided. He's not divided in his loyalty towards you. The Bible says when we are faithless, that's talking about many divisions, many affections, our life going here, there, and everywhere. Our life is faithless. When we are faithless, he is faithful. Undivided. Undivided in his affection towards us. Undivided in his love. David said, please, I, I recognize that I can be a divided man. You look at the history of his life and you can see those divisions. But in this psalm, he'd come to a place. Oh God, I just want to follow your blueprint. Oh God, I just want to follow your instructions. I don't want to be a divided man because 
I realize that that division will just misdirect me and, and land me in a dead-end place in life. We looked last week, and I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. I'm going to ask James just to come up. We looked last week, finally, or I made reference to the book of Judges. And Judges is a, is a history book, 480 years of history regarding God's people. People like us, I suppose. 480 years catalogued in that book. But when you read the book of Judges, you just see that there were long, long periods of just defeat in people's lives. Long, long periods where they were just displaced from their homes, displaced from the blessing that God wanted them to enjoy. They were oppressed for so such long periods in the book of just Judges. And then they would cry out to God, Give us a blueprint! Please, we need instruction! We can't build this flat pack of life on our own anymore. Please, we're relying on you. And suddenly God would send a deliverer, a person. And that person would come. It could have been Gideon. It could have been Samson. It could have been Deborah. All of these different people came as a result of God hearing the cry of his people. You see, he'll never ignore our cry. He will never, he has never once turned his back on a human being when they're in a corner and they've said, oh God, even if, even if they've never followed God and just up out of their heart in desperation, they've cried to an unknown God. I'm telling you, God has come to the rescue. Mercy is incredible. Give us the blueprint again. And the deliverer comes, sets them free from the oppressors, and suddenly they're walking under God's blessing, but for a short, short time. Why? Why the, the huge inconsistency of experience? Why couldn't they get anything stable in their lives? Simple, simple. It's found in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. And I read this to you last week, but see it again. Be reminded of it again. It says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everybody had their own set of instructions for life. Everybody was following a different blueprint. And as a result, their lives ended in chaos. And God was just there just saying, I've got a blueprint for you. I've got instructions for you to help you, not to restrict you or to limit you, but to bless you, to enable you to walk through this world in triumph. But they discarded those instructions. They didn't see them as important. And they left them aside, and as a result, they had such, such an inconsistent experience. Brokenness 
480 years. Now the book before, the book of Joshua, is a completely different book. It's still a history book, but it's a book of conquest, a book of victory, a book of triumph, a book where they go in and possess land. Not a pre- not they're, they're not oppressed by anybody. They're conquering, they're building. It's a book of conquest. It's a book of celebration. It's a book where there's triumph and God's blessing is all over the place as they're enjoying the land of milk and honey, the promised land, and they are maxing out the promise of God to the full, squeezing it dry, enjoying it, loving it. Why? Why two different histories? Why two different life experiences? Why could one enjoy the favor and the blessing of of life in God and the other seem so impoverished and crushed under the heel of circumstance? Well, one did... One nation did what was right in their own, or successive generations in the book of Judges did what was right in their own eyes. But in the book of Joshua, right at the beginning, Joshua 1 verse 8, God just gives Joshua some advice. Just hands him a blueprint, instruction. And he says, Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to close right here. Listen. One man decided to say, Lord, I want to hold the blueprint. I want to adhere to the blueprint. I want your word to dwell within me richly. I want to observe it. I want my way to be good and successful. The other, well, they had no blueprint, no regard for instruction. And they just said, you know what? We're just going to do it our own way. Just do it. I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Just do it. Just Just do it. Just do it. No responsibility. No taking charge of life. And God says, God was saddened. Saddened. Because his intention for them was for them not to go through reoccurring defeat, reoccurring oppression, but blessing. Amen. Now, as we, as we move forward in our lives, God says, my word's living. It's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul encourages, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Be taught 
of the Lord. Keep an open heart, an open ear. And then with that same resolve that David had, having been taught by the Lord, he says, you know what? I'm not just happy to have a head full of information. This is coming down to the nitty gritty of daily life. I will walk in your truth and trust the Lord for that undivided heart to be your heart. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray right now. Let's close our eyes here today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your precious, precious people. Lord, you show us exactly how you feel about us. You show us exactly how you want us. You show us exactly how committed you are. When you died on the cross, when you gave your very life for us, we struggle to even imagine that. We struggle to even think that such a price would be paid for us, but you did it. Jesus, thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray for your precious people. Lord, we don't want to just make choices without knowing your way in which to walk. Lord, we don't want to just let our life unravel like a ball of wool running down a road uncontrollably. Lord, we want there to be purpose. We want there to be direction. We want you, Lord, to walk with us, to instruct us. We want to be on that road that David talked about in Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So, Lord, I pray over every person here, Lord, that they would know your way and, Lord, they would walk in it. In Jesus' name. Now, while eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your heart. Right now, in these closing moments in this service, I want to give you an opportunity. Do you know this is the greatest moment for your life? There's a lot of things that have happened in this meeting this morning that's been a blessing here. But this is the greatest moment in this service. It's where you have an opportunity quietly in your heart to say, Oh, Jesus, please, would you live in me? Would you give me your peace and forgive me? I'm going to pray right now. And if you would like to pray with me, it would be an honor for me. Such an honor to pray this prayer with you this morning. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I ask you, forgive me of my sin. Please come and live inside me. Please come and help me. Be my Savior. I want you too to be my Lord. I want you to take over the steering wheel of my life because I know you have my best in mind. Now, if you prayed that prayer while eyes are closed, would you slip your hand up? I'll see it. And we'll give you a little Bible. Maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time. Don't be afraid. I know sometimes it's not easy to do this publicly, but quickly lift your hand. We'll see it and we'll get you a Bible. And if there's nobody here this morning that prayed that prayer, that's fine too. We'll stand and we'll sing. Amen.